by, there looked out from it the face I showed you this afternoon. It fascinated me immediately. All that night I kept thinking of it, and all the next day. I wandered up and down that wretched row, peering into every carriage and waiting for the yellow broom, but I could not find ma belle inconnue, and at last I began to think she was merely a dream. About a week afterwards I was dining with Madame de Rastai. Dinner was for eight o'clock, but at half-past eight we were still waiting in the drawing-room. Finally the servant threw open the door and announced Lady Alroy. It was the woman I had been looking for. She came in very slowly, looking like a moonbeam, in grey lace, and to my intense delight I was asked to take her in to dinner. After we had sat down, I remarked quite innocently, I think I caught sight of you in Bond Street some time ago, Lady Alroy. She grew very pale and said to me in a low voice, Pray do not talk so loud, you may be overheard. I felt miserable at having made such a bad beginning, and plunged recklessly into the subject of the French plays. She spoke very little, always in the same low musical voice, and seemed as if she was afraid of someone listening. I fell passionately, stupidly in love, and the indefinable atmosphere of mystery that surrounded her excited my most ardent curiosity. When she was going away, which she did very soon after dinner, I asked her if I might call and see her. She hesitated for a moment, glanced round to see if anyone was near us, and then said, Yes, tomorrow at a quarter to five. I begged Madame de Rastail to tell me about her, but all that I could learn was that she was a widow with a beautiful house in Park Lane, and as some scientific bore began a dissertation on widows as exemplifying the survival of the matrimonially fittest, I left and went home. The next day I arrived at Park Lane punctual to the moment, but was told by the butler that Lady Alroy had just gone out. I went down to the club quite unhappy and very much puzzled, and after long consideration wrote her a letter, asking if I might be allowed to try my chance some other afternoon. I had no answer for several days, but at last I got a little note saying she would be at home on Sunday at four and with this extraordinary postscript. Please do not write to me here again. I will explain when I see you. On Sunday she received me, and was perfectly charming, but when I was going away she begged of me, if I ever had occasion to write to her again, to address my letter to Mrs. Knox, care of Whittaker's Library, Green Street. There are reasons, she said, why I cannot receive letters in my own house. All through the season I saw a great deal of her, and the atmosphere of mystery never left her. Sometimes I thought that she was in the power of some man, but she looked so unapproachable that I could not believe it. It was really very difficult for me to come to any conclusion, for she was like one of those strange crystals that one sees in museums, which are at one moment clear and at another clouded. At last I determined to ask her to be my wife. I was sick and tired of the incessant secrecy that she imposed on all my visits and on the few letters I sent her. I wrote to her at the library to ask her if she could see me the following Monday at six. She answered yes, and I was in the seventh heaven of delight. I was infatuated with her, in spite of the mystery I thought then, in consequence of it I see now. No, it was the woman herself I loved. The mystery troubled me, maddened me. Why did chance put me in its track? You discovered it, then, I cried. I fear so, 
he answered. You can judge for yourself. When Monday came round, I went to lunch with my uncle, and about four o'clock found myself in the Marylebone Road. My uncle, you know, lives in Regent's Park. I wanted to get to Piccadilly and took a shortcut through a lot of shabby little streets. Suddenly I saw in front of me Lady Alroy, deeply veiled and walking very fast. On coming to the last house in the street, she went up the steps, took out a latchkey and let herself in. Here is the mystery, I said to myself, and I hurried on and examined the house. It seemed a sort of place for letting lodgings. On the doorstep lay her handkerchief, which she had dropped. I picked it up and put it in my pocket. Then I began to consider what I should do. I came to the conclusion that I had no right to spy on her, and I drove down to the club. At six I called to see her. She was lying on a sofa in a tea gown of silver tissue looped up by some strings.